0: Hey Dodie, how are you?
1: Hi Rudy, thank I'm, you
0: for joining us. I'm so glad to be here. You doing all right? I'm doing great. Now you are one of the most um, visible people in the church uh, here at Saint Faustina. You do the 9 a.m. Sunday mass, and you're in, and you also do the daily masses since uh, for a while now, for about a year or so. Yes. Since COVID, <laughs> and you've been with Saint Faustina since the very beginning. Yes, and how many years has that been? Ah, uh, like this
1: six. will be. It's we're in our. Uh, it'll be seven in August.
0: Seven years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, it's been a while.
1: When I think back at it, I'm like, wow, has it really been that yeah, long? Yeah, I know. Time is flying.
0: It's, it seems like yesterday we were at um, Pete and Sally's house, just getting to know each other with that's our name right. tags and everything. And that's right. And did you grow up here in Houston?
1: I did not. I'm from upstate New York and uh, I lived in Ohio, in Steubenville, Ohio for three years with my family and then came down here to the Houston area. I've been here 29 years. So mostly I consider myself a Texan.
0: How long were you in Ohio before you moved? Just three years. Okay, yeah. so you don't really have that many memories of...
1: Uh, that was a good time because we were in a very um, exciting Catholic community at Franciscan University. That was our home base for parish and fellowship, and so it was it was a special time. But things like that happen, you know, God gives you graces, and then you, you're sent out. And so down we came to Texas, and uh, it's been a lot of years here raising the kids, and being part of different churches.
0: How So how long were you in, um, I said Ohio early, I meant New York.
1: Uh, let's old? see, I think I was 28 when we moved to, so 28 years, born and raised, lived in the same house for 20 years. Wow. I'm one of 10 children, so we were- 10? Yes, I'm number seven. Um, right in the middle. Big A Catholic little? family, very loving and supportive and just a great childhood. What's the age gap like with the oldest and the youngest? Uh, 18 years. But the first nine are only 12 years. And then there was a gap. And then the last one was born. Wow. So, yeah, we were on top of each other and lots of fighting and laughing and (laughs) (laughs) exciting times. Mom and dad were super great. And uh, how many boys and girls? Five and five.
0: Oh, wow. Just right there. Even. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Two girl. Let's see. Two boys, a girl, Wait, two boys, two girls, and a boy. Uh, after that was two girls, two boys, and a girl. Wow. So
0: That was, that must've been a very, very busy household.
1: It was. And we were, um, you know, everything was more home-based back then. I mean, we went to the schools, but all our activities were part of the school. And so we weren't, my mom and dad weren't driving us everywhere and all that, like, Families do now. Um, we were very involved in our home parish, Saint Madeline Sophie. Um,
0: so you grew up Catholic
1: i we grew up Catholic. Uh, we all we never missed mass. We always did the holy days. Um, my mother was a convert from being a Baptist to Catholic. um she she and my dad met in high school, and she wanted to <laughs> convert. Uh-huh. When they got married. But her dad told her, give it five years. And if you still feel the same way, go ahead. And so in five years, she went through the formation process to enter the church. And so she's she's just a wonderful Catholic woman. She really took the faith to heart. And I, I still have my memories of praying the rosary are with my mom. So... um How
0: about your dad? Was he a cradle Catholic?
1: Yes. Cradle Catholic. His parents were very devout. And uh, so we grew up Catholic. In high school, uh, my story goes that um, as most teenagers are searching, right, Uh um, I never strayed far at all. But um, I did come into a deeper walk with the Lord. And that was a very significant time of my life between sophomore and junior year. My brother had gotten involved with Campus Crusade for Christ at his university. And a lot of things were going on in our Albany diocese, um, spiritually speaking. Um, there were a lot of th- things to attend and the the, the spirit was on fire. Uh-huh. Um, I remember going to a charismatic mass that I'd never been to before with with my brother John and uh, we walked in and people were standing up and they had their arms lifted and they were singing like from the heart the music ministry was dynamic and I'd never really heard that um very you know contemporary at the time and uh the preaching was awesome and the the whole liturgy just astounded me and I remember thinking I don't have that whatever that is I want it Uh It wasn't like, oh, this is weird. Not at all. It was like, I want more. And I remember that summer uh, in my bedroom, you know, here I am at 16 years old, uh, kneeling down and just giving my heart to the Lord. I mean, I was aware that I'd made my confirmation and I knew this was the stirring up of the Holy Spirit in my life. Um, I was the girl that had all the religious posters in her room and candles lit and I played I, I had played guitar since I was a little girl. But so I, you've always been musical. Yes. Um the family we sang a lot. We were like the sound of music people. <laughs> wow. You know? And we we did a lot of singing in the house. Uh-huh. And my sister, Linda, who's my oldest sister, played guitar and she actually played the ukulele and she taught me to play when I was very young, the ukulele. <clears throat> Once I got that about second grade, I could pick up a guitar and um So I started just, you know, learning chords from her, very unprofessional, excuse me. Um, But she, uh, you know, she got me going with the bug and then I started taking piano lessons around the fifth grade. And uh, well, anyway, so going up to high school, I had done five years of piano plus playing the guitar, but kind of put it down. wasn't very inspired with the church music and just didn't know where I fit in with anything. Okay, Um, So- In my newfound faith with the Lord, I was excited to be like them, which was that group I heard Uh in the church. And how old were you at this time? Um, 15 or 16, that that range.
0: Very crucial time.
1: Very, very. Uh, So anyway, I was invited to go to a talk by a priest. Uh, with my brother, he was giving a, I can't remember what the talk was or who he talked to, but he invited me to come. And would you bring your guitar and sing a song? Well, what, what could I sing? I had no idea. So I opened up. Songs of Praise, Volume 1, which was the book out at the time that my brother had. Uh And I found Seek Ye First, which we all know. Yes. So I learned that very easy chord pattern. I had had memorized. And so that was my first song that I actually sang in public um, in my new walk with the Lord.
0: So you were just in your room playing ukulele and guitar? <laughs> what kind of songs were you listening to at the time or um, playing? You
1: know, I was I was a pop music girl on the radio kind of thing, but that's when I put the guitar down and I just thought it's, you know, I'm not cool enough and my music, I couldn't do that, but I'll just listen. And so it really was a neglected gift. So it wasn't until the Lord inspired me to to use my gift for Him, and I I really never detracted from that. Other than you know like John Denver or something like that, which was very easy to play on guitar. Uh-huh. I just I just learned more and more music. I just I just whipped through books and learned as many things. I mean, back when we were learning songs like "Be Not Afraid," and those were out in the seventies. I mean, uh-huh. I I'm dating myself, but those were songs I gravitated to. Learned right away. Had the had the uh, the record.
0: The record. The record. Oh, that's awesome. Um,
1: and then I then I picked up on, you know, Christian artists that were out at the time, second chapter of Acts and Keith Green. And these are, you know, these are the early starters. Um, um Rich Mullins, Michael W. Smith. They were all getting it going. And so uh that it's just it was just snowballing through the years.
0: Whenever I see you and Sally singing together, I can imagine you two singing like folk music. Oh, yeah. With the guitar and everything. Sure. I always see that. Sure. I yes. can see that all yes. of, I mean that influence yes. there on you. So you were you saw those people, you decided to pick up the guitar. Mm-hmm. Did it just snowball from there? It
1: really did. And um quickly, our parish, what was happening in our parish, probably within the next year of that what I call my conversion or rebirth in the Lord. Um, The parish started a prayer meeting, a charismatic style prayer meeting. So these were very popular at the time and people wanted to come together and sing and worship, praise the Lord, listen to scripture, maybe a little talk and intercede for one another. So this, we had uh, some people that led that in our parish and uh, they asked me to bring my guitar. From there, I met other young people that were coming who were musical and we formed a little mini group. So throughout my late teens and early twenties, this was my group. Uh And we all kind of grew together. We'd learn new music. We'd hear something. We, you know, we didn't always have the sheet music back then, but we'd write out the chords. And so we served in our home parish in a lot of Masses.
0: So you had your own youth band. We had our
1: own little, yes, like what you're seeing nowadays. We had that back then. And it was, it was wonderful. Um, I had four, I got married when I was 21 and had four kids in my 20s. So I was busy mom, and we then we moved to Steubenville later in my twenties. What brought you there? Um, just the vibrancy of the Catholic community, and we just wanted to have a deeper fellowship. And my brother lived out there and was part of that community, so uh, we would visit, and it just loved it so much. The people were just devoted to the Lord. So um, we moved, and we tried that out for a while. And it was a growing experience. Um, I, I think that was the first time during those years that I connected with a uh, relationship with the Blessed Mother. Um, other gifts, you know, just uh, sharing in, um, just contempl- more, uh, having the charismatic style prayer, but also contemplative prayer at the same time. Those were things that were developing in me. I would take my kids to daily mass. I tried homeschooling for a while. Uh, we did homeschooling for leave in less than a year and my husband at the time had a job transfer to Houston. Okay. So that ended, um, we got down here and we, we landed in the woodlands, which, you know, is just a lovely place to raise a family. So, uh, there was a home, there was a parish St. Simon and Jude that I was a part of for a little while. I remember, um, going up to the pastor, like one of the first weeks we were there and saying, Hey, there's no music at this mass. I could provide it. And at that point, you know, I had, I had been ministering music. I had done a little bit of recording. Um, I was well into my gift. Uh And, uh, so I'm thinking, Oh, Hey, you're going to be glad you know me. (laughs) Well, (laughs) the priest, the priest said, you know what? The people don't like music at the first mass on Sundays. This was, you know, in the old days. Okay. So I was just shocked. I'm like, oh, and we had little kids. So we wanted to come to the early mass because they were up and let's go. Yes. So it took a while. I got into VBS with that parish at St. Simon and Jude and did the music for VBS, which was fun. Um, The woman that ran it, she came up to me and she said, we have been praying for you to come.
0: Oh, that's nice. And uh,
1: my heart just, because it was still a transition time of leaving Steubenville with such incredible music and faith-filled environment Uh to this parish that we didn't know and they didn't need me. So um, I I just sat with that.
0: And so so Vacation Bible School was your foot in the door with the music.
1: And it wasn't an intentional thing. It was just, well, I have kids that are going to be in it uh-huh. and I can play my guitar and walk your around. Gift. Hey, I know all the kids yeah. songs, right? So, um I cannot remember the exact timing after the VBS, but I did meet up with some other musicians that wanted to form a group. And once again, we formed a group and (laughs) I went to the pastor again and Uh I said, I have a group. Yes. What can we do to serve the parish? It was, that was my approach. Uh And he said, well, we're going to start a 12 o'clock mass. How about that? And, um, I'm like twelve o'clock. That's like <laughs> lunch and getting ready for naps. You know, yeah, with the kids because
0: you're you're thinking as a brother. Right? How but, old were your kids at that time?
1: Um, the oldest was third grade.
0: Okay, so still pretty young. Third and uh-huh.
1: first in kindergarten and two, age two. So, um, yeah. So anyway, we did that. Um, we committed. And we grew and it was wonderful. I remember one of the deacons came up to me because we were I was introducing new praise and worship music, things I'd learned in Steubenville, um, new Catholic music that was out. And he came up to me and he took my hands and he said, we have needed you in this parish <laughs> and I am so glad you're here. Keep doing what you're doing. So um, fast forward to so I think we were there between three and four years. And fast forward to the announcement that St. Anthony of Padua would be starting in the woodlands. And uh, I remember sitting in the pew that year and I knew the priest got up and he spoke about the new parish uh-huh. and we lived in the geographic area of the new parish. And I knew I would go. I knew it from like the moment they announced it. So um, was Once, it
0: like a different experience? I'm sure it's a different experience starting a parish it, it as was. compared to coming into one that's...
1: Yes. And know. I think that was the whole experience in the woodlands. Um, just like here in our growing area, mm-hmm. the new neighborhoods bring people that are not with their families. And so they link up together. And in uh-huh. the churches, they reach out to one another because they're, all their extended family is not necessarily here. And I I experienced it in the woodlands in the neighborhood, but also in the parish, um, the new parish. But the older parish was a bit more set and there were established people and all that. So St. Anthony's started and um, I was a part of beginning the first music ministry in that parish. And it was such an exciting time. Very exciting. In fact, uh, when fast forward to St. Faustina, we actually did some of the same music in the opening mass of St. Faustina that I had brought in at the opening mass of St. Anthony of Padua. It was a very special moment for me uh, to know that, you know, God would have... Mercy on my life and allow me the privilege of doing something so special. It's
0: emotional. There's there's nothing wrong with going to an older parish and trying to help Mm -hmm, out. mm -hmm. But, you know, like you said, people are set in their ways. And you just got lucky that they started that 12 o'clock mass. Well,
1: you know, I think the the priest knew that the gifts and talents were there. Um, He just didn't quite know how to... Use us, yeah, and, then, and then when they decided the that, that yeah. the parish was growing, they needed to add a mass, and that worked. Uh, right before I left Saint Simon and Jude, he told me he was very upset that I was leaving, Aww. and he told me he said, "This is the most participatory mass of the entire weekend." Wow! And I thought, okay, so I'm doing something right with the way that we're putting out the music, uh-huh. and so just you know, affirmation, continue on mm-hmm. Saint Anthony's. Um, was the place where most of the sacraments were for my children and the marriages, and we had a funeral, and uh, my husband Pat and I got married there nine years ago. So it's it's a very special place, but it was also time to move on.
0: So moving to to this area, mm-hmm. to the the Katy area, how, what brought you here?
1: Well, um, in 20, 2007, um, our oldest daughter went off to college, Franciscan University of Steubenville. Nice. Um, two of the kids, one was in high school, one was junior high, and one was uh, fifth grade. Peter was fifth grade. Um, oh, that was two. Th- that was the year two thousand. I'm sorry. Uh, so my husband uh, began to experience extreme, severe depression and anxiety. Uh, so. Up till then, we were doing so great. But uh-huh. with his illness, um, he was not doing well. We went through a lot of ups and downs with the kids and with the um, you know that situation. It was just a hard time for our family. Uh-huh. Um, seemed like everything was great. That's the thing. I'm active in church. Yes. Kids are doing well in school, all in sports. You know, I'm 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 a stay at home mom. I'm active, and people knew us and. All the while inside, we're having this breakdown. So
0: so it's a picturesque family, yeah. but then yes. underneath. Um, in
1: 2007, we'll just fast forward to that okay. part of my life. Uh, 2007, my husband left uh, after 26 years of marriage. So wow. for anybody that has, uh, has lived through a very sad, sad, tragic, divorce that you didn't want. Uh-huh. That's me. And, um, there is a way out and it's Jesus Christ. I remember, uh, during those times of grieving and crying and just torment, um, looking at the blessed, I had a picture of the blessed mother and I didn't really feel a super kinship to her, but that was, she was the first one I went to. I, it, it had to be the Holy Spirit uh-huh. said, Mary, don't leave me. So um in 2000 so 2007 was difficult 2008 both of my daughters were uh, dating wonderful catholic men answered a prayer so god was giving me a blessing that i really needed at that time okay and i was happy for them and i was starting to feel pretty good mm-hmm. i um i had gone back to work in 2001 i'm a i'm a registered nurse and I hadn't been working for a lot of years. In 2001, I went back to work part-time as a PACU nurse, which is recovery room in the okay. Woodlands, Memorial Herman. And uh, so in 2008, I was, I was working. And uh, thank God I was working when my husband left. Um, I did take on full-time at that point. And uh, the girls were doing well. My son Joseph was in the military in uh, the Air Force. And Peter was still in high school. Uh, going off to college. Um so he went to UT in Austin and in 2009 uh, I remember the day vividly. I got a phone call from the Austin police that um Peter oh. had committed suicide. Oh no. So he had jumped off a um seven-story garage uh, oh. parking garage. Um yeah, it's a it's a moment in my life that, you know, transcends every other bad moment. Uh-huh. Um at that point like I said, I was just feeling stronger in my personal life and things were going forward and Peter also struggled with depression and anxiety and you know, as you know, it runs in families, yes. uh, different things stir it up. Maybe it's dormant and then it comes out. He had been on medication and in counseling and had a peer group and uh, had all his accommodations set at UT uh, to assist him. So it was very shocking. And um, uh, I want to talk about that day because it was very significant in my faith walk. And I want everyone to know how God just moved in a powerful way, like quickly. Um, I went into the bathroom, into my closet. And I remember leaning against the wall. I was just going to like fall down with the shock. And I said, you know, the faith was there, but it was hard. And I just said, Lord, I can't do it if I don't know you have him. Uh But if you have him, I'll be fine. I can make it. And I came out of the, the room and. Some nurse friends from the hospital started to come in. I had some other friends there. My girls were there. Um, Two weeks before Peter died, my father passed away. Wow. Yeah. So I lost my husband and my father and my son within a two-year span it was it was quite crippling. But, you know, with dad, he was older. He was 81, and uh-huh. he had some illnesses, and we were anticipating it. The story goes at my dad's funeral, and it was a beautiful funeral filled with me- much faith and love for one another and our family. We were at the graveside, and it was drizzly that day. The clouds were out, and my dad um, had a summer camp in the mountains that he built for our family, and he loved eagles. As we were... At the burial site, one of the siblings of our the 10 said, wouldn't it be amazing if we saw an eagle oh. right now? And I said, now this is before Peter died. I said, well, we'll see one when we need it. Because that's how God works. He yes. gives you what you need when you need it. Yes. So that passed. And um, right after he passed away, my two sisters went to the apartment where he died with my mom. and. They stepped out onto the patio and there was a big rainbow in the sky. Well, that day or that week, there were five rainbow sightings in our family. And one of them was a double rainbow over the lake where our camp was. One of my nephews had gone up to be there just to Uh feel connected to dad his grandpa. And he saw a double rainbow over the lake. So we were like all pumped up, like, wow, this is God's promise to us. And, yes, and, yes. and he's got dad and we're all going to be fine. And so I was sharing this with my nurse friends when I got back to work and suddenly my Peter dies and they're all coming into my house. And one of them grabs me and says, Dodie, come out to the bottom of the driveway. And I went down with her and there was a rainbow and and the end of the rainbow was over my house. Wow. So I would prayed the prayer in the closet. Uh-huh. I'd come out. The women came in. They knew my story about the rainbows and they were more excited because, and I was excited for them that it, here I am in the midst of grief and I'm, I'm aware that God is working in them by giving them faith right now. And they see this rainbow after Peter dies. And wow, remember Dodie said,
0: Uh-huh.
1: um, so that was the first of many. The week of uh, later... In, okay, so that was a Monday. Two significant things happened. Uh, Monday night, a woman in our parish at St. Anthony's who was very involved in this, the Catholic school. She had she has many gifts, but one of them is very significant dreams. I mean, God gives her dreams. This is one of her gifts. hmm she came up to my daughter, Sarah, who's my oldest. She teaches at the school or did at the time. And she said, tell your mom, I want to share a dream with her. So the dream was that she saw this young young boy, blonde hair with a, like a bowl cut, uh, laying prostrate on a bumpy, rocky ground in a room that was very bumpy. Okay. With his face down and he was in agony. And she said, then she saw, uh, she she felt more than saw a presence next to her and the Lord reaching down to Peter. Oh, I'm saying Peter now because I'm going to tell you the rest of it. Uh This boy and lifting his face and it becomes radiant and glowing with Uh joy. And he says, come, you are mine. Wow. So... This woman woke up and didn't know Peter, uh-huh. didn't know Peter had died. Uh-huh. And she said, Oh, it must be that one of the young people from St. Anthony's school is going to become a priest someday. Because, you know, laying prostrate. Uh-huh. And, and that's what she thought. Of the Lord. Yes. Yeah. Then she hears about the death. She comes on Friday to the viewing, and we've got the casket and the, the tables with all his pictures. The mm-hmm. church people were so helpful to me in that. She said she felt the Holy Spirit say to her, take your time with the pictures. And when she got up there, there was a picture of Peter at his first communion and she picked it up wow. and she said, this is the boy in my dream. That's, wow. So I'm telling you that that was it. There were many other sightings and, and little mini miracles, but uh-huh. but that for me she wrote it all down in detail it was very detailed and i just i have that in my bible and i just i read it and i know that jesus has my boy um another significant dream was my son-in-law who at the time was not my son-in-law but was dating my daughter very very devout catholic he shared that he'd had a dream about Peter. It went on and on. But he said at the very end of the dream, Peter said to him, tell Sarah and mom that the goodness of the Lord had mercy on me. Wow. So again, wow. God was giving me all this affirmation and this assurance of, of that Peter was fine. Wow. Um, one more story about that was the morning of the funeral. So all my siblings had flown into Texas. I had, all 10 of us were together. It was really special. And my oldest two brothers who, uh, the one brother had lived in the Adirondack Mountains for many, many years. And uh, he knew every bird and tree and flower and hiked every mountain peak in the Adirondacks. And he, that's Mark. Mark and Peter, my brother, Peter. My dad was also Peter. Wow. Yes, we have a lot of Peters. Um, They were staying down the street uh, at my friend's house and the morning of the funeral, they were going to walk down. We were all meeting at my house. Uh So they came out of that house and Mark looked up in in the tree and there were two bald eagles in the tree. Wow. He went back inside. He knew it. He knew what they were. He went back inside and they asked the husband, can you come out and just confirm that Uh we saw this? And he said, yeah, they nest at Lake Woodlands, but I've, and I, I've seen one, but I've never seen two together. Wow. So he rang my doorbell a few minutes later, and he said, we've had a miracle. And, you know, I told you about my dad and the significance of the eagles. Yes. And, and his name is Peter, and my son is Peter. And yes. I just thought, our two Peters are together today wow. and celebrating with the Lord while we have this beautiful beautiful funeral, sad, but also very beautiful. Uh So, so my heart and my mind were completely immersed during that time in God's goodness and, Uh and everything. So.
0: I mean, even though it it still must've been hard to, 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 you know, get through all of that.
1: It's been 11 years. Tomorrow is actually his birthday. He would be 31. He was 19 when he passed away. Um, the first years were extremely difficult uh it's like a roller coaster with any death as most people have experienced in their families uh-huh. um you know the wave comes and you get through it and then you, you get better for a little bit and then it, and then the waves spread out and over time you do better for a longer period and then you have your your memories so i'm doing i'm doing very well um again god's mercy in my life The next year, I went on catholicmatch.com and the the urging of a friend Uh who really felt that I should put myself out there. And I'm thinking, I have no idea about dating. And um, I had an annulment. I was free to date or pursue marriage, but I didn't know. Anyway, uh, 10 months after Peter died, I met Patrick, Pat Joyce. A lot of you know Pat. Um, It's
0: hard to miss Pat.
1: It's hard to miss Pat. He <laughs> sings in the choir with me and he's a local veterinarian and just a, an amazing Catholic man. I remember when we first uh, we first met at a Starbucks up in the woodlands. We talked for three and a half hours. Wow. And we knew that I was looking for a devout Catholic man and he was looking for a devout Catholic woman. We were just meant to be. Um, so... It was an exciting time. It really lifted my spirits. I still had those moments of grief during, of course. Of course. It's it's year year one going into two, but Pat was a very strong support to me. I had wonderful friends and family. So God was really good to me. Um, Pat and I got married in 2012. We we had uh, actually my daughter, Sarah and Eddie, both Franciscan grads. Uh, they have a beautiful wedding story and they got married the week before I met Pat at St. Anthony of Padua. So he missed their wedding. Uh, the following uh-huh. year, one year later, Bethany and Daniel, who are also, uh, they're all St. Faustina members now, by the way, uh-huh. uh, they got married and then we got married. So it was really quick within a couple of years. And all we, at St. Anthony. All at, so Father Tom Rafferty was, uh, he he did my my son's funeral and three weddings <laughs> So wow. we, yeah, we had the family thing going on at Saint Anthony of Padua. Uh, Pat lived out here in the Katy area, and when we got married, we moved out. We we chose Fulcher just because it was a little bit more country. Uh-huh. I didn't want to live in Cinco Ranch, and he couldn't come up to the Woodlands. So we're like, let's pick a new new spot for us. Your what- place.
0: Our place. And
1: what is so cool about this story is when I met Pat and I walked into his house, Uh there was a, a really big divine mercy picture in his foyer. And I was like, oh, that's nice. It's really big. Very nice. And I go into his living room and he has this massive crucifix, like one that you would find in a church, not in a personal home. Okay. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty much the decorations he had. A few things of Mother Teresa, St. John Paul II, before he was St. John Paul II. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um. So that was kind of like, yeah, he believes in his faith and he's living it. So... uh Shortly after we got married, we we spent a little bit of time at St. Bartholomew over in Katy. Mm-hmm. We're doing a transition thing between how to leave St. Anthony's and the hour drive and how for me to leave my job, my home, my, my church. Uh-huh. So it took a little bit of time and we decided to go for St. Bart's for a while. And there, of course, I started a little music group.
0: What was harder to your job, your home, or the church? What was the hardest one?
1: To oh, let go the church, of? the church for sure. The home part with with Peter's death and the divorce and everything. I know the Lord was moving me on. So okay. So that you know that was a. That was meant to be.
0: Yeah, it's closure to, there. It was
1: closure, and it was time, and I was very happy about marrying Pat, so I looked forward. Um, I didn't want to leave my job, so I didn't for the first year of our marriage. I commuted part-time.
0: All the way to- All the way to
1: Memorial Hermann the Woodlands. Wow. And then I transferred over to the Katy Hospital. I was there for about six years. A couple of years ago, I, I finally stopped working. So, um, How long
0: of a commute was that from-
1: Oh, I'd leave Full early shape, and I'd come home late. So about an hour, a little okay. over an hour.
0: And that's with no traffic.
1: Yeah. It, as as things grew in Fulshire and 1463 got really busy, <laughs> that was a disaster. So I said, Oh, I can't do this anymore. Um so anyway, at the Saint Bartholomew, um I have a special story with Father Tran. He Father John Tran was the pastor there. And I remember when I first met him and I I cantered one day and he he affirmed my ability to lead the congregation and song. And uh, I was very excited to be there because of his affirmation and the fact that I was going to join the music ministry there and mm-hmm. help it grow. And I said to him, you know, I really feel like the Lord sent me here. And he looked at me and he said, and when he tells you to leave, you will leave. Wow. I'm like, that's a strange thing to say, but yeah, it fast is. forward a year and a half St. Anthony, or St. Faustina is now announced. The new church in Fulshire is beginning. And I I remember heart palpitations because here I started, we were really getting the groove on this music group. We were like solid. We were excited about it, but they were switching pastors at the time. Everybody knows this story that Uh was at St. Bard's. There was a lot of turmoil because Father John was leaving and Father whoever was coming and art where are you going which church so i remember going to father trans go, going away um party or whatever and i went up to him and i i sat down i sat down next to him no one else was around and i said i don't know what to do we live in Fulshire. and i don't know if i should go there and he looked at me and he said you and pat are in cross creek i said cross creek ranch he said you and pat live in cross creek ranch i said yes he said you must go help father adapt. He needs, he's going to need you. I'm like, okay.
0: Do you think he knew like early on when you f- first joined and he told you that, you know, No,
1: I think that was just his way, like follow the Lord, do what he tells okay. you. And when he tells you just do it, you know? And I was okay. like, but I remembered and I'm like, oh wow, this is like significant. So then I wrote father dad, a letter. Uh huh. All about my past experiences and how my husband and I had landed in Cross Creek Ranch. And we have this big Divine Mercy picture in our foyer now in our Uh new home from Pat. And suddenly we're going to have a St. Faustina church. (laughs) What? (laughs) So um, my heart wanted to go, but I only wanted to go if it was God's will. Of course. So I put the letter out there. I said, if you need me, let me know and Uh we'll pray together. And didn't hear anything. Didn't hear anything. I went on vacation during the town hall meetings that he had, I wasn't at any of those because we, I was up at the camp in upstate New York for a couple of weeks. I kept checking my email, never got a response from him. So I thought, okay, I'm staying at St. Bartholomew. This is the sign. Uh When I got home shortly after that, um, father, dad, dear Dodie, I have, misplaced my this email and I am so very sorry we must get together. So, something like that. So I'm like, okay, so I went over to St. Bartholomew where he was meeting with people and mm-hmm. I remember being in um just a a real state of openness like, "Lord, I'm letting you lead this." And we had a conversation. He took my hands and he said, "I I know this doesn't sound right, but I desperately need you." Wow. And I said, "Okay." I went into the Adoration Chapel after that. I remember kneeling in front of the tabernacle and just praising, like no one was in there. It's supposed to have someone in there all the time during uh-huh. the exposition. There was a lady on the phone outside the chapel and a small child sitting in the back of the chapel. So I thought, well, there were, you know, there's one person yes. in here, but the adult was gone. I was free. I just started singing and just songs were coming into my head that I hadn't sung in years. And I just worshiped. And it was just right. So um
0: And this was that same part.
1: Yeah. Well yes, during the discernment process. Uh-huh. So uh that's when I met you and and others that were gathering at uh Sally and Pete's house to start. I met Sally and Pete, and then we started uh the the rehearsals and forming choir. So, okay, so
0: you didn't know Sally and Pete I didn't. from
1: Father Dap brought Sally and I together. We we were the two people that he had information on that had led music in the previous parishes. Okay. And he wanted us to get to know one another. I always thought
0: you knew each other. No, but we bonded right away. Yes,
1: we did because we had similar stories of using our music to serve the Lord Uh and always loving the Lord our whole lives, and and then Pete, um, Pete, you know Pete's story, and uh, just it touched it touched him the story about my son, and Uh he's he's Pete, and my son was Peter, and we just we just bonded. It was a beautiful time.
0: I had always thought that you'd known each other because you two worked so well together.
1: Well. Yeah. So God used that. And then of course, you know, JM came in and we all started to work together and quickly the parish grew. And so all of that was really great. And, you know, until we came into the new building and um, I still remember that amazing, amazing first mass that we had with the Cardinal and the huge choir we had up to that point. Now, it doesn't look the same now, but at that time, what, what did we have? 30 people with instruments uh-huh. and and it was just really a special time.
0: I remember telling um, Antonio when when he, he was here on the show, when we walked in to that first practice, it was just amazing how much talent was in oh, the yeah. room. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, a lot of time. I remember Andrew saying... Um, When he had to to leave Texas, he said, I've never been to a parish where there's just this much talent in terms of music. And I was, I mean... I was shocked at how good everybody was, and yes. when we got everything together, like you know, you and Sally and J.M. and Trey, and then just working all the all yeah. the music out, it was just amazing, amazing. It, it
1: really was. And during that time too, we were beginning small Christian communities in the parish, so uh, we were my husband Pat and I were invited to participate at Pete and Sally's house because we'd already gotten to know each other quite well, and some of the other people that were working together. So that was a another layer of. Settling in here in Fulcher, getting to be more involved at Saint Faustina, feeling like I had new friends, new new uh, spiritual friends. That's Uh very always been very important to me to have people to pray with and care about you. Um, I wanted to tell you uh, just a little story about my development with uh, how Saint Faustina has been very significant in my development with the in my relationship with the Blessed Mother. Um. You know, the first years of the church are always the high points and then you go through some struggles yes. and then, it, you know, it's the, it's the wave again, you got the peaks and the valleys. <laughs> and so during the valley of my experience and my walk and my personal journey, um, I was at a, a really low point. I was almost depressed. Um, you know, still the undercurrent of grief is always going on there, uh-huh. um, just, just a sad time. And I remember thinking, well, they have a healing ministry here. Maybe I should ask for prayer. So Sally and um, Pete and Lucy and Carla are all part of the healing team. And I remember Sally and I were sitting up in the front during morning mass, we were going to sing a communion song. And um, I said, could you guys pray with me after mass? And she said, yeah, just remind me. And then mass went on and we sang our song and I felt better. Uh-huh. And I thought, you know, as I always do when I come to mass, I just felt better. And um, and I wasn't going to ask her again. She goes, hey, do you still want prayer? And I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. So I go in the back room and it's dark in there. And I just sit down and the 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 sacrament is on the altar because they've done exposition. And so there I am with a window to Jesus and thinking, I'm not really sure what I'm going to ask them. I just know that I'm I'm at a low point. Uh-huh. And Lucy comes in. She puts her, and I don't know Lucy. She puts her arms around me and she said, can I give you a hug? The Blessed Mother wants to hug you. Uh-huh. Well, my tears started flowing like a river uh-huh. and I sobbed from the depths of my soul. Wow, It was unbelievable wow. that I needed this and was trying to cope on my own, but I needed prayer. I needed something.
0: And a few moments earlier you thought, well, you know, maybe I I don't need it. Yeah. We'll just
1: get through the day. (laughs) Um, While she's praying over me and she's blabbing and I'm trying to find a Kleenex and I'm feeling this love of my blessed mother uh, for me, for me, not like a general, you know, Mary loves everybody. Like Mary loves Dodie. And, and then we smelled roses at, Pete said, do you smell it? And I, I knew that I smelled it, but uh-huh. then he said it. And then everyone in the room smelled the roses. Wow. And Lucy said, Mary has come to be with you. Wow. I mean, that was profound. Wow. I mean, here I think I'm doing pretty good in my walk with the Lord and there's more, there's more. Uh-huh. And suddenly I have a personal visit from the Blessed Mother that I've never had. I've heard of it. I've heard people smell roses or get roses or, you know, have a sense of Mary with them. And this was new. Um, my, my mind's eye saw the sacred heart of Jesus with a crack through it and the immaculate heart of Mary with a crack through it. And it was like they were saying to me, come join us. It'll be fine. Like heaven is where it all comes together, uh-huh. but you will suffer. So just like we suffered, come be with us. It was very healing uh, later in the year. So that was, that was sometime in 2017. In 2018, um, I decided to do the consecration to the Blessed Mother. Uh-huh. So I did the 33 Days to Morning Glory book that everybody was doing in the parish and yes. Father, Dad had encouraged. And my my prayer date was May 13th, Our Lady of Fatima. So I went through that and it was just a, I had more connection to it because I'd, I'd felt like I had an experience. And I'm a very emotional, as you know, person, I'm a very feeling person. So that was important to my faith, just like all of the signs and wonders that God gave me when Peter died. That Was what I needed. God knows where we are. He knows who we are because He made us Mm -hmm. and He gives us what we need. It's different for everyone. So um, I did my consecration. It was very beautiful. I remember thinking, oh, I wish my daughters would do this. And later in the year, um, in the fall, um, I had been praying a, a lot. My prayer life was focusing more and more on my daughter, my younger daughter. Bethany, who uh, she and her husband were married at that time for seven years and no children, the infertility road was up and down again. It was very emotional roller coaster. Uh-huh. Um, they were at the end. They just said they're just not going. They're going to give up. They just don't think they're going to have children, uh-huh. and uh, they didn't want to adopt. And it was just sad. I just felt sad for them and. Uh around December of that year, I, so this is 2018, I did my consecration in the spring and May 13th, Our Lady of Fatima. And then in December, I, I don't know why, because I do novenas now and then. And um, it occurred to me, I'd never done the novena to the Immaculate Conception. So I'm going to do that for Bethany and Daniel. So every day I, I did my nine days of prayer. I prayed for them and I had another intention at the time. Lord, please give them a a family. Mary, please bless them with a family. Day nine, I kid you not, I get a text from Bethany. We have decided to pursue the adoption process.
0: That's fantastic.
1: So, okay, fast. Things are going to go fast now. I Uh was giddy. I was jumping up and down. I was like, Mary, you are an awesome intercessor. How did I not tap into this before? Uh (laughs) You know, I'm like, I'm growing in my trust and my love for her and just seeing that she cares for my family. And so in January, so we get through that. They're doing all their busy work with adoption process. And I go up to see my mom in New York and I stop at morning mass at this church named St. Gabriel's. I don't know maybe i was there once as a child vague you know and i'm i'm sitting there um it's it's a handful of very old people and a gruff priest he was grumpy and i i i, <laughs> I know and i i quickly had my mind's eye on the, this is just not a good priest and and people don't have faith here and i i don't, like i was having this judgment battle in my head wow. and i and i was aware that it was a battle and uh-huh. i was like i don't want those thoughts i, I I, I started to pray for him. And then he talked about the rosary and I was like completely diffused. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's a good man. And so <laughs> I, I, I got through mass and um, yeah, whatever that was about, I don't know why I struggled right at that moment with it, but I released it. As I'm walking out of the church, I see this painting of pregnant Mary. And I'm like, I don't know if I've ever really seen Mary yeah. as a pregnant woman. And it was it was a painting somebody uh-huh. had done, and it was very beautiful. I... You don't
0: see a whole lot of pregnant Mary images. No.
1: So I paused, and I looked at it, and I thought, that is something. As I'm walking out the door, an old man, like very old, scuffled next to me and handed me a baggie. And he said, here, I want you to have this. And it's cold. It's winter in New York. I'm like, okay, thank you.
0: And he's you. a stranger. And, and he's <laughs> a stranger.
1: And okay, thank you. I get in the car. I open the baggie and it's a rosary. And it's it, he said, I make them. That's what he said. Uh-huh. And it had mustard seeds embedded in the decades. Wow. And a strip of paper that said, um, the scripture, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move and it will move. In capital letters, nothing is impossible with God. I sat there and I thought, Mary is here in New York. She's in this parish and she's at work. I was all excited. (laughs) So so that happened. Uh, The next month, um, my daughter... Texted me very excitedly. This is Bethany. So now she's stirred up. She's like, we might adopt a baby. We might not. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, so she's all stirred up, and I tell her about the so it was shortly after I told her about the mustard seeds and the rosary. That week, this the Catholic school, St. John Paul II, where she and my other daughter had taught, um, she said our our Friday Mass is focused on mustard seeds.
0: Wow. And I'm
1: helping the students prepare. And one of the teachers was in the Holy Land at the time, and she sent a picture, a photograph of her hand filled with real mustard seeds. And on the picture, it said, Bethany Israel. We were overcome. And here I am like so happy for my daughter that God is moving in her and showing himself to her in a personal way. Uh She calls me shortly after and she says, um, so this is about April now, and they're still waiting to find out what's going to happen. And she says, do you have that book, 33 Days to Morning Glory? I'd like to do that. Wow! So I'm all excited. Yes, and so she begins <laughs> her process of uh, consecration to the Blessed Mother. She's feeling the call and the the connection with Mary, and um, so this is how it all goes. The week wow. before her consecration day was also going to be May 13th, Our Lady of Fatima. Uh huh. A week before she gets a phone call, uh, we have a baby and a birth mother has chosen you and the baby will be a boy and she's uh 39 weeks pregnant and her due date is May 13th wow <laughs> does it get wow. any better than that wow so we i remember the, the morning of May 13th we met for a walk and i was jumping around singing this is the day the lord has made <laughs> because how, how much better could this story get? Right. Uh, here it's her consecration day. Yes. Her baby may be born today. Well, the story goes that the baby was born two days later. That's okay. We'll take That's it. Fine. Yeah. He was healthy and beautiful. They named him Elliot and Peter as a middle name Aww. in honor of her brother and my son. So uh, Father Dad baptized him, and he has been the most incredible blessing to their lives. He's almost two now, and uh, it, it's really truly a faith journey. And I I tell the story so excitedly because when when you're in that in the place that you have nothing. But God,
0: there's yes. no out,
1: there's no way. Uh, he is, He is everything. He is what you need, and so I'm just uh, thrilled that not only did Bethany and Daniel get a beautiful gift from God in that Elliot, but I got a. My first grandson, we have four granddaughters. They're all older than Elliot. So Elliot's the f- number five, and he's the first boy. <laughs> and the significance of, you know, Peter was not lost on me. i I dug through his things and found his baptismal, like the white garment uh-huh. And I found uh, the little outfit that he wore. And I, I washed it. It was a little yellowed, and I, I got it ready, and I showed it to her, and I said, "Would you like Elliot to wear that?" And she said, "That would be great." Wow. And inside had been pinned, and I did never remember this at all, and never remembered it. Um, and a, a miraculous medal was pinned inside the baptismal outfit. Wow. From and he was baptized in Steubenville at, at the the Christ the King chapel at the university. He was immersed. I just remember how special that baptism was. Uh-huh. Um so Elliot so It was
0: tucked away for like It
1: was tucked away for years but I years plus, and I think yeah. actually that was the only outfit that I had saved. You know, a mom of four busy. We didn't have a oh, lot yeah. of money. I don't remember what all the kids even. I have some pictures, but mm-hmm. not like we do today. So anyway, um yeah, Peter was baptized and he actually had newborn pictures taken right after he was born at the house. And one of the teachers at some point, uh, but before she she was um, going through this infertility um, journey, one of the teachers had given her a rosary from Fatima. So uh, Elliot has his little hands, his two week old hands wrapped around the rosary Aww, in some of the pictures. That's nice. Yeah. We call him our baby of Fatima.
0: <laughs> <laughs> our baby of Fatima. That's, yeah. That's got a nice ring to it.
1: <laughs> so, so that's, that's kind of where God has me now. Wow. And I've just been, even last year, um, when COVID started and we were also distressed and disjointed with not being able to come to the church. Yes. Um, I got a call shortly after. And the father dad had like gotten one week into live streaming in the side chapel. And he told uh the music director, Joffrey, we need music. And he called me and he said, Would you come? Uh-huh. And I said, Oh my gosh. You know, one of my one of my dreams is that when I'm old and retired. Uh-huh. I would live near a church so I could go to daily mass. Yes. I mean this is just like in the back of my mind like that's going to be my life when I'm older. I'm just going to be one of those prayer people that uh-huh. is always in the church. And so um this this past year, you know, I'm retired from nursing. My Pat's not re- completely retired yet, but um I am and so I've been available. And this has, for me, been a gift to be able to come. We started in the side chapel with just a handful of people coming together without masks. And, you know, because father's over there and I'm over here and, yes. the, you know, Sir, um acolytes over there uh, to when we moved back into the church, uh, being able to serve and there wasn't Quite honestly, there was nothing else to do. You know, we couldn't really go anywhere. And yes. so I got to come to the church. It was thrilling. And uh, I am very aware of what a privilege it was to receive the Eucharist every day. Yes. And so I know that, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I I just come, I just come here and say, Lord, whatever you want from me, I'm just your servant. It's not always the way I want it, uh-huh. but it is the way you want it right now. And this is what I'm going to do. So I've been very blessed.
0: Now, when the whole lockdown started, my family and I, we were one of the few that were here doing the Sunday Mass. Yes. And one thing that I felt personally when we received communion was, why me? Why do I deserve this? Did you go through the whole
1: same thing? It's overwhelming. It's like. I I need to recognize what a privilege this is because God has asked me to come and serve and I can, I can play an instrument and sing at the same time so I could provide there. Uh And uh, there was, yes, the deep awareness that it was a gift and it was a grace and so uh, so, so my story just continues to unfold more and more. I'm very excited about all the things that God's done in my life, all the the journey, even though some of it's been like unbelievably hard. I never, ever saw myself as getting a divorce, ever. Um, losing a child. I
0: mean, no parent should no, ever go no through that. No
1: one even thinks, you don't, as a parent, you don't even go there in your mind because yes. it's so scary and painful. Uh-huh. Um, but. You know, God was always with me and I, and I do have so many beautiful memories and still bring it to my mind today. Uh, when I feel the anguish of it, uh-huh. Jesus has his hand right on my shoulder. I, He's walking it with me. And I know like with Holy Week coming, you know, this week, um, we're walking with Jesus and he's walking with us. Well, like we're together on the journey, the same journey, mm-hmm. you know, and take up your cross, and everyone has different crosses. Some are some are really horrific, and uh, I I consider myself very blessed. I I had such a wonderful childhood. Many people haven't had that, uh-huh. and um, that gave me a good foundation for what was to come. You know, it's funny. You think, well, Lord, I didn't really want this cross, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but this is the one you allowed in my life um, for a reason, a purpose, and. So looking
0: back at, you know, all of the challenges, everything that you've been through, like you said, I mean, unthinkable things have happened to you. Like, you know, as as a cradle Catholic mm-hmm. getting married, it's unthinkable that you're going to get divorced. Yeah. What do you what advice do you have to somebody who's going through something like that, who's who's struggling with that kind of those feelings?
1: You know, a lot of people have come up to me and asked me through the years about uh, how do they help their mentally ill child, or mm-hmm. how did you get through this or how did, you know, I don't feel like I have answers to fix problems, but uh-huh. I have Jesus. And Jesus is the answer. It sounds trite, but it's lean on him, push into him, lay your head on his chest. Let him be. The Comforter, let him be your shepherd. Um, there's nothing else.
0: So all of these things that have happened to you—the the the marriage collapsing, mm-hmm. um, your your son's suicide, mm-hmm. and then having to rebuild your life from all yes. of that—yes, your answer is just Jesus.
1: It's Jesus. He is everything. He is everything that you truly need, and he'll take you to a level. As he's he's working with me, that everything else just doesn't matter. Once you've got your eyes on him, Uh um, everything else kind of fades to the background. And I I know that I'm getting older now, and so maybe maybe a little wiser in retrospect, like realizing things happen in your life to help you to grow and to get to the place where you can detach a little bit from all of the things in this world and just. Just know that our inheritance is awaiting us, our, our, our eternity in heaven, where there will be no more tears, no more crying, no more suffering. And um, it's just a nice place to be. I think when I come to Mass every day and I, not every day, you know, I say that as many days as I can come. Yes. Um, and, I, and I focus on the gift of the Eucharist, which is, you know, the source and summit of our f- Catholic faith. It's everything. Jesus gave his body for us and we can take it and we can bring it into our own bodies and we can be one with him. It's beautiful. Now, your
0: husband, Pat, he's such a wonderful man. I
1: mean, yes, he when is. I said
0: earlier that you can't miss him, it's because he's this big, tall guy yeah. with this very boomy voice when he sings with the choir. Yes. And he, he's, but he, when you look at him and you talk to him, you're such a gentle man. He is such, you know, a soft spoken. Yeah. He's such a, uh, I mean, such a great guy.
1: He has a huge heart for God and all things related to our faith. Uh, He loves the saints and especially uh, very, very close to uh, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Uh, He worked with missionaries of charity. Uh, Before I met him, he was going down to uh, the inner Houston to work with them and, uh, it was just so touched by their simplicity, and we uh, we both feel like the things things and the worldliness of our existence here in our culture is not where God wants our hearts. So we're mm-hmm. we're definitely on the same page, and uh, we're we're happy to be on this marriage journey together and enjoying grandchildren and happy times
0: my wife and I when we talk about you know uh, when we retire and all that Mm -hmm. we're like oh we want to be like you know like Pat and Doty you know just it's
1: fun and you know I was a young (laughs) mom so Pat has two adult children I have four but three living Uh so five together and uh Pat's youngest was out of the house when we started dating. So he'd already gone to college. So we really didn't have a life together with children in the house. Uh-huh. So it's been um, a special time for us, but also challenging because then the adult children have their challenges. And then there's grandchildren. The more, grandchildren. Pe- more people to worry about, yes. right? So we're, we're, that's the best part. We're the always on our knees for everybody. And, uh, you know, that's where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be on our knees. How many grandchildren do you have now? Five. 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 Yes, that's fantastic. Yes, so we're 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 feeling uh, this stage of life is uh, where God wants us, and there's always more to come.
0: Thank you so much for telling your story. I know it must have been difficult, you know, uh, coming in and 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 talking about it, and I'm sure that this is going to help other people.
1: Well, I hope so. I like I said clinging to Jesus some of the days after Peter died i would walk for miles with music on on my you know um just listening to christian music and saying the, the name of jesus because there was n- nothing else i could do just get me through today jesus jesus i need you that's why that song lord i need you is so significant uh-huh. for uh so many of us here in the yes. parish, for everyone right we all need and um But that song like lays it out there. I need you every hour, every minute, every moment. I need you. There's just nothing else to sing about. I know Antonio loves that song. I know. I love it too. I
0: mean. And uh, that
1: uh, Matt Marr was one of the musicians that really ministered to me when Peter died. It was one of only two CDs or whatever. Yeah, there were CDs at the time that I could listen to without. I couldn't watch television. I couldn't listen to secular, anything. I couldn't even listen to the Christian radio. I could only listen to the, um, just a couple Stephen Curtis Chapman who had lost his, his daughter. Uh-huh. His daughter had died the year before Peter. And he wrote all this music to minister wow. to people who'd lost children. And then Matt Marr had that, um, I can't think of the name of the, the CD. It had so many great songs. Christ has risen is on it. And those, those songs, I played them over and over. So when I, when I bring a song up and I say, I know this song, uh-huh. I know this song, <laughs> like this, this mattered to me. In Do you my remember
0: heart. the the name of the Stephen Curtis Chapman album? Just, you know, anybody out there who? Um,
1: no, but it was around, uh, I think he put it out in 2007 or 2008. How about a
0: title of one of the songs? I'm sure somebody can look it up.
1: Uh, They're all they're all blanking on me right now because I, you know, it's been, I don't go back to that music anymore. That was, that was music for my healing. And then okay. once it was done, I, I couldn't, because what it does is when I hear it again. It brings it back. Yeah. Because they're very sentimental songs. Of course. Uh, whereas Matt, Mar's music was super focused on Jesus and the journey. And so I could, I could, he helped me move, push forward.
0: I think so, Lord, I need you is if I'm not mistaken, it was one of those that a lot of people mentioned during one of our choir retreats. Oh yeah. Like, Lord, I need you. It's like, what is your favorite song? And It was like, yeah, yeah. Lord, I need you. was written down. Yeah. For, I call those songs. A whole bunch of them.
1: Those are the anointed songs. The ones that really make a difference in people's journey. That's anointed. That's the Holy Spirit using the music. And that's what the music, when you lay it out for God, you want him to use it. We don't know who it's going to touch. And maybe sometimes mm-hmm. I get up in the morning and I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to sing today? And I you know I have a repertoire, but uh-huh. but I'm open to a change. And sometimes I'll play a song and somebody will come up and say, you have no idea how that song touched me. And I'm like, I don't know you. And I don't know why I <laughs> thought of that song this morning, but praise the Lord, because that's the Holy Spirit. And, I, and I'm, I'm very humbled by that because I know it wasn't me. I know uh-huh. that it wasn't me.
0: You're just a vessel.
1: Just the vessel and mm-hmm. and there might be a person out there that needs that that moment. Well, so thank
0: I'm, you for being a vessel oh, today and coming I'm in. I'm so
1: grateful and thank you for what you do. It's beautiful ministry.